right now. Let's thank God. Come on, let's thank God for the rain. Let's thank God for the rain. Ah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible gives an explicit promise. God said that the day would come when He would give both the former rain and the latter rain in the same season. The Jewish people understood that remark because to them there were two times a year that they considered the rainy season. They could expect there to be enough rain during each of those two seasons to water their crops. But God said the day is coming when I'm going to do more than just give you enough to get by. But I'm going to send a flood of my spirit. Well, hallelujah. Now, you know, a flood can be a very devastating thing. If you don't believe that, there are plenty of places not too far from here that you can travel and see long-term effects, long-lasting devastation brought about by the power of a flood. The devastation that the flood of God's Spirit brings is not to us, it's not to God's people, it's to the power of the enemy. That's why I pointed out to you, you know, there's more than one take on that verse from the prophet Isaiah that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll raise up, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Because the comma does not appear in the original. There, there, there were no punctuation marks in ancient Hebrew. It just didn't happen. There's no commas, there's no colons, there's no periods, no semicolons. You just have to understand the gist of what's being stated. Sometimes that's a little difficult to do. It's, it comes strictly through context. But it would be just as valid to say. That when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And the flood that comes is not the devastation of the enemy. It's the enemy being devastated by the power of God. I'm glad to know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Well, come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what the devil throws our way. Our God is greater. Our God is more powerful. Well, hallelujah. I'm thankful for that knowledge today. and, And truly, truly, I've been feeling the rain around here. I really have God's doing things. I've said it many times through the years. Sometimes because He's an invisible God, He works in invisible ways. We don't always see with the naked eye exactly what God is doing. Sometimes our eyes can even mislead us 
we can look at things that in the natural look like it's going down. But in the spiritual, it's a different picture altogether. Well, hallelujah. I, I spent enough time in Colorado. I, um, when I first moved to Colorado in 1991, I had a little four-cylinder Oldsmobile. And uh, I, I learned, Brother Hall, that a four-cylinder wasn't the best engine to have trying to get up and down those mountains and hills. Because that, that little engine sometimes would strain, especially if we were loaded down with passengers, which we were on more than one occasion. But there were honestly times when I thought, based on my perspective from the driver's seat, I really thought we were driving down a hill. It looked like to me we were going down. But I could tell by the strain of the engine that that was not the case. And sometimes looks and appearances can be so deceiving. So don't let the devil get you focused on what you see. Get your eyes on the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Get your eyes on the God that's greater than anything, greater than anybody, greater than any circumstance, greater than any problem. Come on, somebody. Our God is greater. And really, we don't have to add any nouns beyond that adjective. He's just greater. Because I don't care what you put in the blank. He's still greater. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why, you know, the, the, the ancient name that was used for God, Yahweh, it really means to be. It's, it's an infinitive. It's, it's the root of an existence. It means to be. And so when he spoke of himself, his name being to be, which the, the Jews interpret as the self-existent one. He didn't need a creator. He just existed. He always has existed. He always will exist. And so when he spoke to Moses, and Moses said, who do I say sent me? He said, just tell him, I am. Because that's first person singular of to be. I am. Now in English, am is a linking verb, and it requires that there be... Uh, something on the end of that it's, it's, it's got to be linked I am something but not in God's case I am and that says it all 
And that's why the writer of Hebrews goes on to say later on, many years later, He that cometh to God must believe that He is. Not just that God exists, but He's the self-existent one. You must believe that He is, fill in the blank, whatever you need. He is provider. He is deliverer. He is healer. He is Savior. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, God above all gods. He is almighty. He is everlasting. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is. Oh, I love talking about him. I love talking about him. Our minds just can't begin to comprehend. The vastness of our God. We, we, we can't begin. Our human minds are so limited. And you know, scientists tell us that humanity's never really tapped into the vast majority of what the brain is capable of. But I'm just convinced that even if we did, we still couldn't comprehend all there is to know about this God. It's just not possible. He is wonderful. He is my counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Oh, hallelujah. He is my banner. He is my defense. He is my rock. He is my shepherd. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lamb of God. He is the bright and morning star. He is the lily of the valley. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the lover of my soul. Oh, somebody ought to get excited this morning about Yahweh. <laughs> he is. He is. He's my rock, my sword, my shield. Well, praise God. He's everything. No wonder the apostle said, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him. All the fullness. Miracle worker. 
peace speaker. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. He's the water walker. Now that means something when you're in the storm. That may not mean anything to you right now, but when you're the one out there in the boat, even when you feel all alone, He's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is present. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? He's there. Sometimes we feel like Job. I've looked on the right hand and couldn't find him. I looked on the left and didn't see him. I looked before me and behind me and there was just no evidence that God was around. But I can tell you, you may not see Him anywhere around. Yet I can assure you that as Moses said about Him, underneath are His everlasting arms. He never abandons his people. He's the comforter. He's the comforter. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I know him today. I'm so glad I know him today. I'm so glad I know him today. Why don't we love him right now? Come on, let's love him. Let's love him. Let's love him. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you this morning. So thankful for each of you that are here. Praying for those that are sick this morning. And we do have a number of folks that are unable to be here due to sickness. But we're praying for them. Believing God will give them a speedy recovery. So thankful for our guests that are with us today. Thank you so much for coming to the Truth Church. And we really mean that from the bottom of our hearts. We know you had a lot of choices this morning. A lot of places you could have gone. But you chose to be here. And and that means a lot to us. We're very, very thankful that you made this choice. Praise God. We really are. And if we have not had the opportunity to meet you, I hope that you will... Stick around long enough after service for me to get the opportunity to uh, 
to personally shake your hand and thank you for coming today. We're, we're very glad you're here. To those that are listening online, we appreciate your presence as well. Amen. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. It is Bible study time around here on Sunday morning. And um, this is something that needs to happen. It's something that is so necessary. I, I dealt with this last week, and I don't want to get sidetracked again. In fact, we discussed changing the name of last week's lesson because I never really even got into the real subject at hand last week. Uh, we never made that decision final or took that step. So I guess we'll just have to call this part two, even though part one wasn't really part one. Uh, now, I'm not writing a book on this. If I was, I guess last week would have been the introduction. And, uh, and now we get into chapter one. Um, but I'm not writing a book on it. Not, I've got too many others I'm trying to work my way through right now. But this is something that I've felt to do this year and looks like it's going to go beyond this year. Um, or however long I feel led of the Spirit to continue. We are just going back and discussing the basics. And you know, you just can't get any more basic than what we did last week. Uh, last week really was the foundation of it all. And if you were not here, I don't have time to go back and recover all of that today. I would just say, please, you can go online and listen to the messages there. Uh, you can download them for free. In fact, that's my favorite way of listening is to download them. And that way you want to make notes, you want to do whatever, you can pause it. Or if this preacher is starting to put you to sleep, you can take a little nap and then, and then wake up and start it over again. And uh, whatever it takes. I, I've often said I don't get offended when people fall asleep during my teaching because even the Apostle Paul had somebody fall asleep during his ministry. Now, I do tell people I'm not the Apostle Paul and don't expect me to be as compassionate as he was. If you fall asleep while I'm preaching fall out a window and die, I'm not praying you back to life. I'm calling the undertaker. It's done. You should have stayed awake. But Paul was more compassionate. Uh, anyhow, 2 Peter chapter 3 is our text for this Lesson. This is the third lesson in this series, though the first two lessons each had multiple parts to them. This is the third lesson in the series. And as I said, we're just going to call it part two. Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse number 17, the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle Peter writes here, Ye therefore, beloved, Seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. And I, I know you're standing, I, but look, verses like this are just further evidence 
that the idea of once saved, always saved is not a biblical doctrine. Because the apostle clearly says, you got to beware. Because, and he's writing to a church, multiple churches in fact. And he's saying to them, you have to beware because even though you are saved today, you can be led away into error. And you can fall from your steadfastness. That doesn't sound like once saved, always saved to me. And then he says in verse 18, and this is where we're going to focus. Verse 18 says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge... Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow. Beware that you don't fall. Instead, grow. Because the more you grow, the less chance there is of falling. Right? When a child first starts learning to walk, you expect them to fall. They're having to learn balance. The ability to learn balance is born within us, but balance itself is not. It's an acquired skill. And so, the younger the child, the less you expect them to be able to remain upright. But as they grow, if you've got an adult who just keeps stumbling and falling, there's something wrong physically. At some point, you should reach a level of maturity where you're not constantly stumbling. Now, this is basic stuff. It's basic. I, I, I warned you of that. This is basic, but it's something we've got to understand. The only way we can, we can hope, now, now that doesn't mean that even as adults there's not times that we won't trip and fall. It still can happen to an adult. We're not watching where we go. We're not being careful. The road is slick. Any number of things, some obstacle that we don't see, any number of things could cause us to fall, even as an adult. But the chances of falling are highly reduced the more we grow and mature. Praise God. And so today we are continuing on with this topic of growth. It is... It is a basic, simple principle, but something we need to understand. And we're going to talk about it here today. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask God to bless in the remainder of this service. I need His touch today. I'm struggling some with my throat, my voice. I need the touch of God. Let's, let's pray together, everyone. Lord.
Thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Let's praise Him one more time before you're seated. Everyone, let's give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, uh, I, got, I got hung up on my first verse of Scripture last week. I'm going to try not to get hung up there, and hopefully you won't hang up on me. Praise God. Um, but as we talk about growth, we, we've got to be reminded this whole series is, is really, it, it's what I would teach new converts, people who are brand new to the kingdom of God. And, uh, and even though many of you have been living for God for many years, as, as I've said often, uh, you, we, we all need to be reminded from time to time of the basic principles. Because sometimes we forget, and sometimes forgetting those basics can create problems in our life. And so, so we, we have to go back. But we have been talking about the fact that that when you come into the church, the Bible likens that to being born again. That's the terminology Jesus used. We find this in John chapter 3 verse 5. And I've got Brother Larson reading for me. The golden voice of Pentecost is out of state this weekend. And uh, um, so we've got Brother Larson here. And, and he kept asking me if I was through initiating him and if I was going to go easy on him today, and I never did make any promises. Um, you didn't. You didn't. I, I didn't make any promises. said, I'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll see how it unfolds, and so we'll, we'll see what happens here. So, so pronounce things well, and, and, and watch your P's and Q's, and T's, and A's, and everything else. John chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. All right, now again, I don't want to get sidetracked on all this, but this is a very clear and simple statement. Jesus didn't say, unless you believe on me, unless you confess me, unless you accept me. He said, unless you're born again. In verse 3. And then he explains in verse 5 what being born actually means. And he does not say being born again means accepting, professing, confessing, Whatever. No. He said it means to be born of water and born of spirit. And we went through an entire uh, lesson last Sunday explaining what all of that is. And, and again, I would challenge you to go back and listen if you were not here. But let me just put it very simply. Being born of water is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And to be born of the spirit is to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Now, when that happens, you didn't join a church. You were born into a family. And we cannot lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the one who called this a new birth. He's the one who drew this analogy. He's the one that created this typology that, that coming into the kingdom, being saved, if you want to use that terminology, that being saved is like being born. And so we've got to, we've got to grasp in our minds that somebody that is new to the kingdom is a babe in Christ. 
and, and, and I've seen well-meaning, established church folks do great damage to new converts because they forget these are babies. And they expect them to overnight be a mature saint, flawless and perfect. And it doesn't work that way. You may not remember it, but it didn't work that way for you either. Now, I've heard people testify, you know, when I got in church, man, I laid this down, I laid that down, and I never looked back. And thank God for that. But I can promise you this, you weren't perfect. There may be things you gave up, but I can guarantee somewhere in your hidden closet there was something you struggled with. And don't you ever forget that that was the case for you, and it's going to be the case for everybody else. Give them time to grow. Give them time to comprehend. what They're, they're in a brand new world. Amen. They've got to figure things out. The church is not like the world. We think differently. We act differently. We behave differently. We speak a different language, if you please. That's right. Those of you that have been raised in Pentecost, you don't understand that. You know, we, you, you use terms all the time that, that somebody walking in off the street doesn't have a clue what you're talking about. They don't know what you're saying. They, they don't understand because these, these are not terms that they're hearing from any of the sources they're listening to. It's just like somebody that comes to the altar and is seeking God. you got people saying, come on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They don't know what they're holding on to. I, I had a new convert that came and, and he, he, he said something to me that I've never forgotten. And I think about it to this day. It's been many years ago. Uh, I think about it to this day. Um, <laughs> you know, I used to always encourage the church, church, let's come and seek the face of God. And, and one day he told me, he said, you know, he said, I don't really understand that. He said, I just come in, I try to imagine what his face looks like. And so I'm trying to seek after his face. Well, you know, I mean, that's just a term that we use that, that to them is, is, it's a foreign language. What does that mean to seek the face of God? You know, let go, let go. Well, let go of what? Somebody's down here praying and we say, oh, Lord, make them white as snow. What, what, are you wanting God to give them leprosy? I mean, what, what is it? You know, they don't understand what you're talking about. It's a different language that's spoken here. And people have to, you've got to have the grace, give them the grace to grow and to understand and to comprehend and don't expect them to just become the perfect saint overnight. Look, if we'll be honest, even those of us that have been living for God for 50 years have not reached perfection. And so why are you expecting somebody that's been in for six weeks? Come on. 
You know, there's an old kid's song that we used to sing. It said it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars. Only a week. That's all it took. God made everything a week. But he's still working on me. He spoke worlds into existence, but he didn't speak my sainthood into existence. That's a work in progress. And so we've got to understand that there's something that is, that is needed here. When a person is born into the kingdom, we've got to give them time. You don't, you don't throw the baby away because he's messed up his diaper. You expect that out of a baby. So why don't we expect that a new convert is going to mess up? Why don't we just realize that's going to happen? And you know what, ha- what, what? Look, it's bad enough because I can promise you. When it happens to them, they are overcome with guilt. And the devil starts saying, you didn't really get anything. And the devil is hounding their mind over what a failure they are. And then some well-meaning church member comes along and starts beating on them on top of that. They're just ready to give up. You know what they need? They need somebody to come alongside, put their arm around and say, hey, you know what? I've messed up before too. It'll be all right. You can get up, dust yourself off, and keep walking. Don't quit now. Don't give up now. I'm telling you, I know as a, as a dad and as a grandpa, I know what it's like to be sitting in that chair. And, and somebody's holding on to that little one's hands. And you're saying, come on, walk to me, walk to me. Do you remember those first steps? Do you remember watching that and how exciting it was? And they take one or two steps and fall and you say, well, I knew you didn't really have anything. What a waste. I've invested nine months in you and look at you. Just lay there for all I care. But sometimes we do people in the church exactly that way. The first time they fall flat on their face, we're ready to write them off and say forget about them. When what we need to do is stand them up and say, come on, honey, you can do it. I got confidence in you. Let's try that again. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. They finally get that down, and then then when they get it down, you start saying, I wish they'd never learned this. Because then you got to keep your eye on them all the time. They're gone everywhere. Seems like it doesn't take them very long from walking to running and climbing. And then they're into everything. But you still don't throw them away, do you? You still don't give up on them. 
Because you understand this is a process. They've got to grow into maturity. Boy, one day you buy them that first bike. And you got the training wheels on there. And so they're just pedaling away and they're, man, they feel so big riding that bike. But after a period of time, they see the big kids don't have those extra wheels on their bikes. And they want those training wheels off of theirs. I'm big enough. I'm big enough to do this. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Okay, we'll take them off. Wham. See, I told you so. Stay there. That's, that's not the way it works. They might only turn the wheel one or two revolutions, but you're proud of them because of how far they made it. And they get up, they, they feel like a failure. I didn't do very good. No, no, honey, that was beautiful. You did great. Isn't that what you do? Isn't that the way you treat the kids? Well, why do we expect anything different in the spiritual realm? Look, when that bike's laying on top of them and they're scraped up and they're crying, that's not the time to kick them. That's time to say, come on, honey, you can do this. I've been there. I know I had my own problems. It took me a long time to learn how to ride a bike. You can do it too. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to hold on to the handlebar. I'll run run alongside you till you get the thing moving. Whatever it takes, we're going to get you to where you learn how to do this. And we got to have that same compassion and that same love for the new folks that come in. Oh, I feel this so strong in my spirit this morning. Hallelujah. We just got to understand it's going to take some time. It takes time to make a saint. It takes time. And it takes patience. And it takes love. And to those that are there that are trying to grow, listen to me, don't let the devil get you to living under a cloud of guilt and condemnation every step of the way. Well, you messed up. Well, you messed up. See, you're not going to make it. It's not possible. You can't live for God. You don't have what it takes. That's what the devil tells everybody. You'll never succeed. You'll never be able to live this way. You'll never be good enough. He tells you all of those things. Now, he doesn't walk up and say, hi, I'm the devil. I want you to listen to me. You think that these thoughts are your own. And and you think that these thoughts are maybe even from God. That maybe God's ready to just give up on you. But it's not like that. Do you know any good that we've learned about parenting, we've learned it from God the Father. There are things that He just put in us. We are created in His image. He's the one that put it it in us to care for our young. We don't devour our young. We shouldn't. Sometimes spiritually we do. 
but we shouldn't. Let's, let's, let's give them grace. Let's be patient. And, and, and again, to the new convert, understand that we're not looking to cast you aside. We're not looking to see how many faults we can find with you. And we're not looking to, to, to say, well, mark this one off. We're trying to find how we can help you to learn the hard lessons we've had to learn. And understand that even in those moments when somebody comes along and they say something that really hurts deep, for most people, they, they don't mean to be hurtful. They think they're helping. Sometimes what we think helps doesn't help at all. You know, let, let me just, I'm just going to throw this out there. But, you know, when somebody passes away, the, the typical response we give to try to comfort them is, well, they're in a better place. And, and you know, I mean, I understand you're, you're trying to help them. You're trying to comfort them. But that doesn't, that doesn't heal the wound of the loss they just experienced. At that moment, they don't want them in a better place. They want them in their place. And the best thing you can do is say, I am just so sorry that you're having to experience this right now. Shed some tears with them. Hug them. Be there for them. You don't have to have answers. You don't, it's awkward. You want to say something. But there's nothing to say. I just spent some time on the phone last night with a relative daughter gave birth and the child was born without a heartbeat they resuscitated it and then lost the child there's no words there, there was nothing I could say to him except my heart breaks for you and my wife and I have wept over this situation and we want you to know we care about you now, we care about your daughter. We care about the family. That means more than, well, they're in a better place. In fact, I heard somebody make the statement just this week, and this is, this is one of those statements that, boy, what an impact. Simple, yet profound, and, and I'm going to, I think this has been etched into my conscience. I, but he made the statement. He said someone told him one day, there is no substitute for presence. For just being there. There's no substitute. You can send cards, send text messages, send phone calls, but there's no substitute for just being there. That's so crucial. Well, I'm way off topic again this morning. I, I got to get, I got to, but, but look, w w we need to understand. And I want, I want the young ones that are here that haven't been a part of the church for a while. I, I don't want to just focus on those that are established. I want you to get out of these lessons 
what you need to get as well. I want you to understand that, that when somebody comes along and they start correcting you or they start doing things they shouldn't do, for most of them, they mean well when they do it. But just, just know this. They're not the pastor. And so don't let what somebody else says to you dictate your feelings toward this church. Because none of us are perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. And people are going to say things. They're going to, I mean, it was the great apostle James, brother to our Lord, who said that the, wor- that the tongue is a world of iniquity. He said men can tame every kind of animal out there, but the tongue can no man tame. James said that. No man can tame the tongue. We all say things we wish to God we had not said. But you can't take the words back once they're out of your mouth. You can't unsay things. So to the new ones, give some grace to those who mean well. Don't let it hurt your feelings too deeply. And if it really bothers you, come talk to me about it. You're not, you're not tattling. I just want to help soothe whatever wound may be there all right I got to move on here see when you're born into the kingdom of God there is a change that takes place because of the power of God's word first Peter chapter 1 verses 22 and 23 see and you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, now, now let's, before we move on here, let's look at this. You've purified your souls. How? It's the power of the word that brings you into the kingdom. You've obeyed the truth through the spirit. The word and the spirit is what brings you into the kingdom. And it brings you to a place of unfeigned. That means non-hypocritical. It means honest, true love of the brethren. Read. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. You were born again, not of corruptible seed. But of incorruptible. incorruptible. Read. By the word of God. Uh Uh-huh. Which liveth and abideth forever. That's how we came into the kingdom was through the power of the Word of God. And this brings about a drastic change. I go back to creation. The world was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. And in a world that was covered with darkness... When God's word went forth, there's suddenly light. In a world where there was no land, God's word went forth and the seas pushed back and the land was exposed. 
There are changes that take place because of the Word of God. And that's why established saints need to understand there's more good going to be accomplished by what's taught and preached across the pulpit than words that you can go and speak to them. You think they need to change? Let the Word change them. Let the Word change them. God can speak changes into their life. God can speak things that don't even exist. He can speak a love for truth. He can speak a love for righteousness. God can say it and put it there through His Word when your comments cannot change it. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Look, that's, that's, that's a work in progress for every one of us. And we need to understand it. You know, I, I don't know why each individual comes to church. Many people come for differing reasons. Some come just to assuage their conscience. They, they, they feel guilty if they're not in church. And, and some come because they've got some need in their life. And they're hoping the church can meet that need. But let me tell you, one of the main purposes, well, the main purpose is to glorify God. But after that, one of the main purposes for coming to church ought to be so that the Word of God can affect change in our life. We come to church to be changed. Now, now, now look, that's, that's a drastic difference from the way most of Christianity sees the church. They see the church as, I come here to be encouraged. I come here to be uplifted. And that can happen in church. And it should happen in church. But that's not the main reason God wants you to come to church. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. This is not in the notes, brother. This is where you're going to have to do your stuff now. Get, 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 get with it. Get. Do you know where the book of Ephesians is? Okay, all right. Just. I knew he did. I'm just, I'm just, it's terrible because I'm going to be at the place where no reader ever wants to read for me. Oh, boy. Um, I want you to, to uh, Ephesians 4 and verse number 11, read for me what it says. And he gave some apostles, some apostles and some prophets, some prophets and some, some evangelists and some, some pastors, pastors and, and teachers, teachers read for the perfecting for the of the saints. Perfecting of the saints. See, this is one of the reasons why you come to church. So the ministry can help to perfect you. This is also one of the reasons why you cannot be saved without a preacher and without a church. You cannot live for God on your own because you can never fulfill Ephesians 4 and 12. On your own, you can't fulfill that. The ministry is given to perfect you. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying, for the work of the ministry, right? Work of the ministry, yeah, yeah. for the edifying. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the word edifying means 
building up. So perfecting and building you up is why you come to church. So that the ministry, so that the Word of God, not my personality, not me as an individual, but the Word of God that's being delivered can perfect you and build you up. We ought to come to church expecting, in fact, pre-service prayer time, we ought to be asking God, Lord, change me in this service. Let me see myself in the word that's preached and let me find the imperfections and the flaws that need attention in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. It was, again, James, the brother of our Lord, who made the statement that we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And what he said about that, he made the statement that the reason that you don't want to be just a hearer of the word, but you want to be a doer, he said, because he that only hears but he doesn't obey. He said he is like a man that beholds himself. Let's see. Uh, get for me, brother. Uh, Larson, get for me. James chapter 1 and verses. Um, well, let's start with 22 and let's go down through uh, verse 24 at least. But be ye doers of the word. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Not hearers only. Deceiving your deceiving own self. Deceiving your own self. For if any be a for hearer, if any be a hearer of, the word, of the word and not a doer, and not a doer he of is the like word. Unto a now man get this, he's like a man beholding, beholding his, natural his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself. He beholds himself and goeth his and way. And he goes his way and straightway, and straightway forgetteth he forgets what, what man manner of man he was. was. Now, here's what James said. He said, the word of God is like a mirror. I've got a feeling that most of you, probably all of you, before you came this morning, looked in a mirror. If any of you are like me, my hair doesn't stay in place through the night. And I developed this hairstyle called the pillow look. Now what good would it do to go look in the mirror and see your hair standing on end and say, man, that looks terrible. And just walk off and leave it. Or you finished a meal and you go to brush your teeth and you see you splattered some spaghetti across your cheek. Oh man, I really made a mess. And you just walk away and leave it there. Well, what good is the mirror doing you? Why is the mirror there? Why do you have a mirror? To correct whatever needs to be corrected. Right? you, you got to see. All right, this needs to be fixed. This needs to be corrected before I try to present myself. That's what the mirror is for. And you know, um, fact of the matter is, most of us, most of us, there are exceptions to this rule. 
Most of us don't like looking in the mirror. There are exceptions. But most of us don't like looking in the mirror. Because a mirror doesn't lie. If we've put on some pounds, the mirror tells us we've put on pounds. And while everybody else may try to be nice and say, well, you're looking healthy. The mirror says, you're fat. That's why we don't like the mirror. Because it just tells us the truth. And by the way, it is possible to make a mirror lie. It's possible. I've been to the old fun houses. You ever been there? Where even somebody short and pudgy, like I've spent most of my life, I could walk in there and stand in front of one of those mirrors, and man, I look like I was six feet tall and only weighed 90 pounds. And I'm looking in the mirror. And I could step over into the next one, and it looked like I was three feet tall and 300 pounds. And I'm still looking in a mirror. But do you know why those two mirrors tell different pictures? Because both of them have been distorted. The mirror itself has to be bent to show you a distorted image of yourself. And unfortunately, that's what you get in a lot of places when they get the Bible out. They take this mirror and they distort it so that you'll feel good about yourself. They're going to twist it just enough that you can walk out with your head held high even though your life's full of sin and you've got all kinds of things that need to be dealt with. But I've looked at the mirror. No, you've looked at a distorted mirror. But if you'll get it out and take it just like it stands, it'll show you the imperfections. It'll show you the flaws. It'll show you the weaknesses. And it says you got to fix this. Look, we don't like it, but we don't need a preacher that's always going to make us feel good about ourselves. Once in a while, we need somebody to stand up and say, you need to fix this problem in your life. I need it. I need it. That's why I go off to meetings. I, I need, that's why I bring preachers in here. I need preaching in my life. Every one of us have blind spots. You know, we get back to this whole weight gain thing. The fact is, sometimes we don't realize. We don't realize how much. I mean, we start feeling a little snug in our clothes, and it's like one of my relatives said one time, said, man, they just don't make a 48 like they used to. And he was serious. And I thought, it's not that they're not making them like they used to. It's that you don't look like you used to. But I didn't say that. We, we, can, we, we can try everything we know. I start to say we, we can look at the mirror. And, and honestly, there are times we put it on slowly and we don't realize it's there. And then we see somebody else and they say, man, you've, you've put on some weight. I, I, one of my trips to Africa, uh, I mean, it's still, it's, it's, it's burned into my memory. It's, it's a scorched wound. No, not really. <laughs> but one of, those, 
one of those pastors, I got out of the car. It had been a while since I'd been there, and I got out of the car, and he looked at me, and he said, man, the bishops gained weight. Well, you're no twiggy. You're, no, I did not say that. I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. And if it wasn't enough for him to say it at his first look, I walk into the conference hall, and he's poking somebody else, and he said, man, the bishops gained weight. Now, I didn't see that I'd gained that much. But obviously, I had. And so we all have these blind spots. And we need somebody else to come along once in a while and hold the mirror up for us and say, eh, you need to tweak this. You, 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 need, you need to correct this. Praise God. It's through the power of the word that these things happen. Lord have mercy. I, I've, I've gotten through half of one page of notes. It's, it's, it's the word of God that's going to bring about changes. And, and again, to the new ones, listen to me. Don't let the devil convince you that you should just give up and quit trying. Understand what I just said a few moments ago, God can speak things into your life. He can speak things into existence in your life. And if you'll just keep coming to church and listening to the Word of God, there's hope that one of these days you're going to get on that bicycle and ride it like a pro. One of these days, you're going to be able to do what everybody else is doing. You just got to give it time. Don't get frustrated because you're not acting like you're 20 when you're only six weeks old. Spiritually. Remind yourself, I'm a new babe. Remind yourself, I haven't been in the truth that long. And, and listen, this is something sometimes it's difficult for people to grasp as well. If they've got a church background, they've got a religious background, and then one day they get a revelation, a baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, they don't think of themselves as new converts. But you are, because you've got a brand new world now. The power of God living inside of you is something you didn't have before. And there's a clearer understanding of the word when you get a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. The word just becomes clearer to you. This is a new world and you've got to understand, I don't care if you've been around church all your life. You haven't been in church until you've been born of water and of the Spirit. And being around it and being in it are not the same thing. Jesus even said to his disciples, I am with you, but I shall be in you. He's stressing the difference between being with somebody and being in somebody. And you can be with the church and not be in the church. So don't get frustrated and discouraged and give up on yourself. Because you're not making the kind of progress you hope to make. Recognize that you are a new babe in Christ. And give yourself time to grow.
First Peter 2 and 2. Back to the notes now. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And this is what he said. As newborn babes. Peter called these converts newborn babes. And he said, let me tell you what a newborn babe does. He desires milk. It's, this is something that's innate. It's, it is the human design. If that baby's crying, he's either in pain, uncomfortable, or he wants some milk. Sometimes figuring out which of those cries is not that easy. Yeah, sometimes it's all three. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to distinguish which is which. And, or if it is, multiple factors here. And uh, you talk about stress. That moment when baby's crying and you can't seem to get them calmed down. We've all been there. We, we, we know what it is. Of course, again, sometimes we get really frustrated when we're on the airplane and it's somebody else's baby that's crying. Why can't they shut that baby up for the same reason you couldn't shut yours up from time to time? You forget that. Oh, I know, I know. Everybody here, your babies never whimpered. They, they were the, per I know, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot. That's, that's somebody else in another place at another time. Um, I was not so fortunate. Of course, when my kids were babies, we didn't have air, a lot of airplane travel back then. It wasn't, I mean, it was there, obviously. I'm not older than the Wright brothers. But sometimes I feel that way, but I'm not. But, but it just wasn't a popular method of travel back in those days. But um, I've listened to the tales of my kids and some of the struggles that they've had with my precious grandbabies that if, if mama would just take better care of them, they wouldn't cry so much, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's good to have my daughter here today and those grandbabies. And, and I, was, I was praying. Lord, I was praying, and I looked up, and little Ellie was licking her palm and trying to smooth down Jax's hair. <laughs> And then she saw me looking at her, and she goes, I just lost the spirit of prayer in that moment. I'm sorry. It was just over. <laughs> just. Those grandbabies have a way of doing that. They just, they, they just got your attention. That's all there is to it. Uh, but anyhow, anyhow, like, let me get back to I don't have enough time to deal with much of anything here, but in fact, I really, I, I'm getting ready, I want to get into four areas of growth, because growth needs to be balanced, it needs to be balanced, you don't want to just grow in one area, and fail to grow in other areas, it needs to be a, a, a balanced growth, and I've got four areas from scripture that I want to get into, I don't have time to get into them today, 
Uh, it's going to take me too long to go through them, so that's going to be saved for next week or whenever. So, uh, Sister Regan, you can come and try to figure out what you're going to play. And as I've said many times, she's got that talent, thank God, that she's worked with me long enough. She can just kind of plug into my memory bank there and, okay, this song will work. And it just always works. Um, but suffice it to say today, we, we really need a fresh revelation of this connection between coming into the kingdom and being newborn babes. And therefore, growth is a part of the process. And whether you're the one who is the newborn babe, in that case, you need to be patient with yourself and figure out, I'm going to fall, I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to stumble, I'm going to have problems. It's just going to, it's a part of life. And there are going to be well-meaning people who want to try to get the baby up walking too fast. Or they don't realize. I mean, come on, mamas, how many times have you reluctantly handed that newborn to somebody and they just let his head flop? So, whoa, you got to hold its head up. You can't. Well, they don't realize that. They don't know that that's the way it is. You know, you just, you just have to understand. It's just, it's, it's going to take time. And, and, and your head might flop around a little bit. You might, you might have a lack of coordination. And you may see others worshiping. And you may want to try it. And it just doesn't quite fit like everybody else. And you hadn't quite got the moves down like everybody else. And it's, it's a little disjointed. Well, that's what happens with a child. It's a part of the process. And, and to those that are grown and quote-unquote mature spiritually, don't make fun of those that are trying. Don't criticize them. Don't put them down. Be patient with them. Give them time to learn. Give them time to grow. Look, you better figure out something fast because I'm, I don't mean a fast song, but I mean quickly figure something out. Um, let me just tell you, even from church to church, it's a new world. Right? I mean, it's, it's a new world and, and each church has got its own subculture. The only way I know to describe it. And sometimes just, you know, you take somebody who's been in church for a long time, but they come in, God moves them here, and they're here, and they're apart. And, and in a lot of ways, they feel like a new baby because they're having to relearn. We've got our own language. We've got phrases that we've heard preachers say through the years, and well, all, all you got to do is repeat that phrase, and everybody's on their feet, and, and the new folks are looking around saying, what, what did that mean? What's so exciting about that? They don't understand it. Be patient. Don't, don't criticize those that are new. Whether new to the kingdom or new to this family. 
give them time to adjust. Give them time to grow. Give them time to, 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 to feel a part of the family. And do your part to welcome them. Well, hallelujah. This is all a part of growth. And it's so necessary. Let's stand this morning.